That wasn't really a bad joke. <laughs> am, I, am I ruining my trend? You are. I think the year is, so, is uh, going to go down in flames. I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to find the bad ones, but some of these uh, somewhat bad ones keep coming out. So, All right. so until next week, uh, go out there and get wet. <laughs> and dive safe. So who's in the chat room? Who wants to come on? Rich, you up for it? Mac? Mac? Uh, looks like Mac might have logged off. Well, let's uh, go ahead and he, he might just be logging off to uh, fire up Skype. Well, we got Craig. He's he's here. So we invite the conference. <coughs> we got Rich. I'll get them all in. I see uh, Jim S. is on. I wonder what he's doing tonight. Hello. I am not on Skype right now. Please message. <laughs> voice will be recorded by Power Grimo. Thank you. Jim. That's and like that's that. when I discovered the cannon from... Uh... <laughs> Who cut me off? I think that was me. <laughs> oh, that. oh. All right. I think I almost got this computer thing. Did you get... Is Dwayne with us? Yeah, he's... I'm I think back. Yeah. He's back. Okay. Hey, you're right. I don't want to drop me. <laughs> Tight ship. Let's see. Who else am I missing here? Oh, no, we got Mac here, Jim, Dwayne, Rich. Yeah, there's Rich. You there? I wonder if his mic's not working. I can see him connected. I'm just – because I think what I did is I uh, disconnected to try and connect him, and that booted us all off. Uh, Chetty says I'm here, but you can't hear me. Hmm. Hmm. I sure did like his picture of the shark teeth. Oh, those were nice. I didn't get so a chance. So where are we going, guys? Well, I, I saw that there's a, we got a dive planned for not this weekend, but the following weekend for uh, Lake yeah. 16. The weekend after the dive meeting, which is yep. next week. Yeah, is everybody in for that? Uh, Bob's uh, psyched it up, and uh, I'm going to try to make it. I saw I, another item on Facebook a minute ago. Somebody else who jumped in. Yeah, well, we could have a good turnout. It seems like the last time we did that first dive, ice dive, well, it wasn't the first, it was the second. Didn't last year we do our first ice dive about this weekend last year? I think yep. so. Yep. Got two in. Well, yeah. we did Singer first, remember? Yeah, we did Singer first. And we actually had a pretty good turnout for Singer. Yeah. Okay, let's get um, Rich in here. He's calling now. Um, I missed something earlier when I had tuned in a little late. You guys were talking about Hooker rigs, yeah, not being legal. What what was the deal on oh, that? That wasn't that was in another country. They were had uh, they had the uh, they're having divers who are who are dying. Why? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. You <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. I got kicked off of Skype. I got kicked off of TalkShoe. I think my I actually saw a flash on my screen. A big middle finger popped up. <laughs> that was probably because you were teasing us about not diving. Yeah, that's what happened. Karma, baby. You yeah. know what? I, I was not only teasing you guys. I had to toss it in because I was teasing a guy who'd been out of the water for six months. I'm like, dude, your your stuff's gonna be dust in the in the closet we, if you don't we, come we've diving been this morning. Everybody, you don't put that gear on, it dries out and falls apart. That's true. And shoveling yeah. your driveway and it doesn't count. We need to let Dwayne know in that that's our big thing for uh, scuba manufacturers, Dwayne. Yep. The uh, 
The whole deal is if your dive gear doesn't get wet once every three months, at the end of that fourth month, it disintegrates and turns to dust, and you have to buy it all again. <laughs> you know what we need to do, Jim? And I shouldn't say this in the podcast because, of course, nobody's <laughs> listening. But April 1st, we need to do a press release that we're starting a dive company making disintegrated ECs. <laughs> I would green. be all over that. We, we would be manufacturing green dive equipment. Yeah, yeah, completely biodegradable after three yep. months of use uh, with yep. no use that disintegrates. Not a yeah, bad I, idea. I need to start writing down some of these yeah, fool's jokes. <laughs> My favorite was one that appeared in the paper when I was in high school. It was, uh, it was right on the front page, and it was like. Uh, they had a picture from Jaws 3 eating a sailboat, the big shark eating a sailboat. And they said that uh, due to the population of a certain fish, they've decided to introduce bull sharks into the uh, into the waters of Lake Michigan. <laughs> and, the, and the Chicago officials said that they shouldn't lose more than two tourists a year, so it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and the last line was April Fool's. Oh. I like that. You know that one would get picked up too. Well, they don't need bull sharks. They got Asian carp. Yeah. Well, you saw the one yeah. today about the zodiac sign. Some guy said it said that um, some astrologers have zodiac signs and they count it by thirteen because there's actually thirteen zodiac signs if you if you count the true nature of things today. And uh, every single one of the blogs, every single one of the uh, the the, the celebrity thing says your zodiac signs change into this new one and the guy was like i don't even believe in the zodiac but some people do base it on zodiac signs and it's the new one is is called like orpheus or something like that it's the snakes that are on the medical symbol mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like let's blow out something that completely unrelated and let's have news about it it's a slow january uh must be that is crazy. Okay, so where are these? Where's the picture of the Meg teeth uh, that you were showing everybody? Oh, geez, let me. It was nice. Oh, you didn't see it, Jim? <laughs> Running. She no, I was. It. What were you doing? Were you on a podcast or something? Dude, you're <laughs> supposed to pay attention to your chat room. Yeah, you should have I'm, seen. I'm, you should have seen have it last seen night. Big skills. <laughs> last night I got last night I tell you what I was I was living the uh, I was uh, for Dwayne I I have a podcast too. And last night was my sec, my first live performance, and I actually had a full chat room. And these guys made it their mission to mess me up. Oh. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I was like about about halfway through the second segment, I said, "Screw this, guys! I'm gonna edit." So here it is. <laughs> and I started laying into them. <laughs> I edited it all out, but they were like, "You got to make it the blooper reel." <laughs> oh my god! Find that picture and I'll send it to you. But it was it was you, last night was fun. Did you lose me? I'm, here. Lo- I'm no, you're there. Okay, well, I uh, you guys keep talking. I I lost power here, so I gotta go do something. I feel like Dwayne cool. just went out again. The what? Dwayne's. I thought we lost him. Dwayne, you there? Uh oh. Nope. Man, I mean, I can see that. Soldiers are falling. Oh. <sighs> okay, I'm but, pulling up no. this link from Face or from Talkshoe. I don't know if it'll give it to you. I'm looking it up again because it was. Uh, it was day three. There it is. Um, I'll give you the one page. But if you go to that whole thing, I mean, you guys, I'm sorry I don't have the uh, the answer. Tom didn't get back to me today. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, I forgot completely about it till yesterday. 
That's okay. Now it's on your Facebook page, right? Yeah, I'm I'm pulling it up. It's deep, and it's deep on my Facebook page. R R R R. Yeah, here it is. Paste, send. Oh, I heard that. Wow, what was that? Hello. Hello. When? That was cool. I think Dwayne's back on. Did did we lose Dwayne? No, I think he's back. How did that happen? That's cool. You know this this technology thing is freaking awesome when it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't get we won't count on it. Hey Dwayne, do you use base tank calculations? Do I use what? Base tank calculations, where you go, hey, I got twenty four like on a, on a one hundred four, it's eight hundred psi is a hundred cubic feet or something like that, or uh, ten cubic feet. I have not no. Um. It makes it really simple. Now, I don't have my notes in front of me, and I, I've been out of the water for technical diving for a while, and I've been kind of taking advantage of, of just winter diving on a tether. But there's, well, you were talking about gas calculations, and, I'm, and I just signed up for your email list, so I'm looking forward to your publication. Okay. But it was a really easy way to do it. It was how many cubic feet you have per, or what PSI per cubic foot. And I think it was 80 on the um, 104s. So if you had 800 psi, you had 10 cubic feet, and so a guy that had 63s and a guy that had 80s and a guy that had 101s, and you had your 104s, could all say, "What's your base?" And we'd all say, "Okay, I've got six cubic feet, and I've got 20 cubic feet, and I've got 30 cubic feet." Okay, the six cubic foot guy is mm-hmm. the one that's calling the turn. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things you know in my technical diver classes. Um, it's uh, I, I call it the uh, use of dissimilar tanks. Uh-huh. Uh, but I actually go in and have them do all the math calculations. That way they understand you know, what's going on behind it. But yeah, basically it's the same kind of concept. Okay. Well, I just, see, I just do it that way because I found that when people do math, they fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's called surface narcosis training, sir. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's probably because of the company you're keeping on Thursday nights. Yeah, and Wednesday nights. <laughs> and Wednesday nights. I've got, I'm not going to be able to catch it live, but I'm going to have to download it and see how yeah, good of a job I, I listened to uh, last week's, uh, and that was that was good. So I need to listen to this week's. I'm getting better. I think I think what I got to do is stop taking myself so seriously. <laughs> I think it'll just be great. have fun. Yeah. Oh. We, we we tried to be serious. It just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Did you see my um? Did you see my uh? uh the one from Charleston, the uh, the porthole gym. No, right. I didn't. Is that right. is that on your? Uh... It's okay. It, Where are these I'll, things I'll at? Pull, I, I've been sending them on the Skype. Are you getting them on the bottom of the Skype page? Oh, I sent the I've link. I had that all closed. Oh, pull it up. I sent it right there. I'll get it. I'll get it. <sighs> How many windows can I have open here? <laughs> I don't think there's a limit. When, there when isn't. The, when the computer stops moving, then you, you've, you're about halfway there. Dwayne, we're talking about a place oh in South goodness. Carolina. It's uh, Cooper River. That's that's only one weekend there, Jim. That's no, a, that's one not. weekend. That's only one weekend, and that's only the whole teeth. Huh. Now yeah. you remember, I pull back like, what what I do is it's really funny because I pull up and I and I kind of add insult to injury for some, or I'm congratulating others. What I'll do is I'll come out and I'll have a box of Ziploc baggies for everybody to put their teeth in. And I'll have a Ziploc baggie full of frags from every single dive. 
And my wife's always like, uh, you only came back with that much. How are we going to decorate the kitchen that way? <laughs> See, and this is before Mac's been down there. I think once Mac's down there, there won't be any teeth left. You know, it's the funny thing about that is we talked about that. Now, the guy that does it, Captain Tom, he does. Um, and, Dwayne, if you ever want to do a trip, it's cooperriver.com. Yeah, see, I'm looking at your picture now. It's got the and, link down below. So. Yeah, and Captain Captain Tom is is amazing. He's I don't know if you ever watched uh, King of the Hill. Have you ever guys watched ever that ever watched that show? Yes. Yep. Captain Tom is Boomhauer. <laughs> he talks like Boomhauer and he talks like this and he goes like this. He goes, "Okay, over here we're going to find some shark's teeth because over here you're going to find gravel and you want to be in gravel and gravel's where you want to be. Now get off my boat." <laughs> <laughs> and away you go. And and it's one of those things you suck all the air out of your BCD and you hope to God you can equalize because you roll off the boat and you have to be on the bottom. He's going to park you right where you want to be. And two or three times I've rolled off and found really cool shark's teeth right as I roll off. And I popped up that one time with the with the with the porthole that you see in that picture. I hope you guys pulled that up. Yeah. But that porthole I walk up and 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 for Dwayne's sake he goes he goes what did you find that you needed a lift bag for because I always dive my technical gear in that because it's it's same water rules it's um you're diving the same water so your buddies um so you got to right. be pretty it's only forty feet deep so it's pretty cool but it's you look at this mud hole and you go man why am I rolling off into this mud and you go down and you go hey you know what this isn't bad visibility because there's three foot visibility and you're finding pea gravel and if you're in the pea gravel you're going to find fossils and and we get down there i I didn't get an opportunity to tell you guys the whole story of the first trip uh sport diver magazine had this little blurb about the cooper river one time and a buddy of mine calls me up and says have you seen this month's sport diver i said no and he goes look at page such and such so i open it up and there's this little half page column about this cooper river dive about you can find these shark's teeth and it's all cool and everything like that so we call up this guy and we book a trip for February because he said the water temperature was going to be 58, 60 degrees. So he's like, I'll take that because I'm never booked. And this is two, this is 19, it'd be 1996 or 97, something like that. I've been every year since, um, except for one. But we get down there and we'd book three days with this guy. And he says, you guys are Yankees. You know what you don't, don't know what you're talking about, but we'll, we'll see if you're okay diving. We'll put you on the boneyard. So we roll off the water, and we'd been river diving together for almost two years, and and we kind of were in sync. So it was one of those, you listen to your little voices, and little voices say, come up because you're not finding anything, and everybody will be on the surface. So I pop up because I'm not finding crap. There's nothing down there. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, man, I got schnookered for freaking $100 a, a, a day of diving, and I got schnookered. Because we're down here for a three-day weekend, and we're not going to find crap. So we pop up, and sure enough, Joe pops up right next to me, and Mike pops up right next to me. I'm like, dude, you find anything? He goes, no, I didn't find anything. Joe, did you find anything? He goes, no. And we're like, we're not, we're seasoned river divers. We come out with the water with bags full of bottles up here in the Detroit area. So, so Captain Tom races up the boat, wondering why we popped up 20 minutes into an hour dive, and he goes, and we were like, dude, we can't find anything. He goes, bullshit. You get down there and you f- pick up everything that you think is interesting and you're going to find something. 
So we drop back down to another 40 minutes, and, 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 and I'm sure you're not going to edit this out, so I apologize if I offend anybody's senses, but get over it. <laughs> the, the, the idea is, is that we get down there, and we start picking up everything. And we start picking up anything that looks, and he says, and it was one of those things that we had told us in our pre-briefing that the teeth sound like glass. So if you clink it against another to- another rock, it'll go tink, tink, and it'll sound like... And for those who are keeping score, that was a screwdriver. Um, <laughs> the the the, the drink he, screwdriver. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, the uh, I mean, we gotta have beer when we're listening to you. I didn't have beer. So, uh, I had wine know, tonight. I, so, so anyway, push it fast forward. Forty minutes later, we come up with uh we with a uh, um a uh, uh, pile of gravel. I'm gonna say, and we didn't know what we were looking at, and and. We pop up, we come out of the water, and I've got a bag of gravel, and Joe's got a bag of gravel, and Mike's got a bag of gravel. Well, we dump these bags of gravel, and sure enough, one of the pieces was a shark, half a shark's tooth. So we now knew, look, knew what we were looking for. I was looking for white shark's teeth, and they're black down there in a black water. So it was like, this is pretty cool. Well, Joe, well, Mike finds this whale ear bone. It's like the size of your fist. And it looks like an ear, and it's actually a fossilized ear bone from a whale. It's one of the the three ear bones that are in a whale. So that was cool. Joe finds this shark's vertebrae, which was really, really cool. And I found another shark's tooth that was really cool. And so now we had a pretty good idea that we were not going to get skunked. Um, As an aside, we all came home with almost 300 different fossils from a three-day trip. Now, the coolest one was when Captain Tom looks at Joe pulls this rock out of his thing, and this this, one, this piece of gravel out of his thing. It's about the size of his fist. And Captain Com goes, this is when I knew I loved him. He comes and he goes, oh, my God, Joe, let me see that. And he grabs it, and he looks at it, and he goes, oh, wow, look at this, and look at this, and look at this. And he goes, you know what you found? And Joe's like, no. He goes, you found an Indian love stone. And Joe goes, an Indian love stone? What's that? He goes, an effing rock. <laughs> and take that. <laughs> so that's oh. the joke for new people. Whenever they go, they find Indian love stones. They're just effing rocks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But that's what oh. I knew. I loved Captain Tom. And uh, he and I have been very good friends for the last, uh, God, it's been... 13 years we run into each other at dima it was really funny i got um i got down to dima two years ago and captain tom was down there and he's one of my best kept secrets because i i try to keep i try to tell everybody who who's i don't know that river diving is for everybody but i try to tell everybody who's into river diving about him but um we get down there and one of my buddies comes you gotta meet this guy he's awesome he's one of the best uh river captains in cooper river and i think you're gonna switch from whatever guy and he didn't know who i was talking to (laughs) so he comes up and he goes hey come here i want to introduce you and uh he's over there talking to him and i come here i want to introduce you and captain tom looks up and sees sees me and he comes over and gives me this big hug and he goes oh i guess you guys know each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he he was mad at me because i didn't bring my wife because he loves my wife too but uh I tell you, the, the, the river is, the Cooper River is, is an amazing place. It's one of those few places that you not only can find things that are 400 million years old, 500 million years old, four and a half million years old, but you can find something that's 100 years old and be totally stoked about it. So it's it's this big erosion bank that you can go and find, and, and you can scare the crap out of yourself, too, which is just awesome. I mean, it's an adrenaline junkie's dream because... 
you'll you'll um, another trip that we were out there with uh, was with me and these two guys from Germany because uh, Facebook's a wonderful thing and and everybody comes from everywhere to travel with me when their dive shop doesn't offer it. But these two guys from Germany were on the boat and then two guys that were regulars and me, we didn't have a full boat. We had only five instead of six. So we pulled up in this place. It's called Osprey Ridge. And it's one of my favorite places because there's nothing on the bottom. It's absolutely cleared down to the bedrock. But in the bedrock, there's these grooves. And if you can get on a groove, you dig through the groove and you can find teeth in all the grooves because it all roads off the bank. And... um when we pull up to this spot that we're going to get in the water, and I didn't realize that we were getting in the water, but there's this nine-foot-long American alligator sitting on the bank, and mm. Captain Tom puts us within, like, 30 yards from him. We're all taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. Well, he gets spooked, and this this shark, or this this big, huge, um, actually you said shark, but this big, huge alligator jumps in the water. <laughs> And he goes, okay, guys, I guess that's the end of the fun. Let's go ahead and get in. And, and one of the guys pipes up and he goes, where are we diving? He says, right here. But don't worry, he only eats Germans. Yeah. <laughs> so much so, for that. So it becomes a big challenge down there because you can hear everybody breathing, but you can't see anybody. So when you come across somebody's silt pile, you sneak up on them, and then you take both hands and grab them right on the calf. <laughs> and then watch out for the river tool because they're going to swing thinking it's an alligator. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I've made more than one person just crap himself because <laughs> yeah, I almost took a I almost took a crowbar in the forehead one time because I grabbed a guy. <laughs> it becomes a sport. Yeah. Oh, that's a sport, all right. Adrenaline junkies there. So they, yeah. Um, I think Jim and I got us cleared to go down there this. Uh, yeah, coming here. Yeah, we're going to go September or October. I've got um, a couple September dates I handed to him and a couple October dates to him. And uh, we'll see We'll see what he has open. Um, he's checking his calendar. I caught him and he was out. So I'll try to get the answer for you guys before next week. All right. Forget, guys, we got Sheboygan in September. Yep. When's Sheboygan? So I'll make sure that that one doesn't go. We haven't dated it yet. We hope to do that Tuesday. I, oh, Tuesday you'll date it? Yeah, that's yeah. our uh, club Probably. meeting. Well, let me know, because I want to come up there. I want to find one of those big old freaking clamshells. <laughs> with a sniper uh, on it? <laughs> Dwayne, you still with us? Yep, sir. These guys, like, put on their website, um, do you know what a tridecta clam is? Not a double could do. It's the giant clams that you see that are, like, three feet long yeah. on each side. Well, Mac found one last year in Sheboygan. <laughs> And uh, how, how it got there, wow. nobody will ever really know. Can oh. you guys post that picture for? for yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do. Is I'll I'm gonna navigate, keep talking, and I'll come up with a link here in a minute. Mac, did you look at the Scuba Obsessed Facebook page? You see how that bottle cleaned up? Yes, I did. Now, what did you clean that up with? That was all right. Something. This is I'm gonna I'm writing a book on bottle cleaning because I think I've just solved it. And have you guys ever heard of CLR? Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm in the basement for my bottle cleaning. <laughs> oh my God, that stuff is freaking awesome. Well, I bought out, I went out to Lowe's and I bought every freaking toilet bowl cleaner there was, and a couple of Dranos, and I bought this CLR stuff, and that's what cleaned that up is the CLR. Is I threw it in full concentration. I bought a zip, uh, a, a Tupperware tub, filled it up to the thing, and then inside I filled it with. Uh, actually, I was going to fill it. I was told to fill it with. Uh, one inch or half inch pieces of copper wire and shake it up 
since I didn't have any copper wire, I grabbed a handful of uh, fish tank gravel. <laughs> BBs work real good, by the way. BBs work good. I got a, oh, bold, okay. I got a lot of those. Okay, so we'll shake that up, and I shook it up inside, and I scraped off the inside, and it took me less than a half hour to clean three bottles. Perfect. Wow. So that stuff is awesome. Now, will that CLR take off uh, the silk screening and stuff on uh, the newer bottles? I'm sure it At, would. Yes, it will. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got to be real careful with that stuff because uh, I've done that too. I cleaned up a really good Fago bottle one time, and it came out where it didn't have any more silk screening on it. <laughs> totally <laughs> like, clean. That's a bad thing. Dude, this is bad. <laughs> oh, well, better luck next time. I'm looking through the pictures. I thought we had it on the uh, Mud it's Club on, site. Mud, it is on the Mud it's Club site. The tre- treasures. Treasures. Oh, I'm in photos. I got to go to treasures. See? Uh, who, who's the webmaster this time? You need thing? to talk to the guy that set that up. Exactly. Jim, what is up with your profile picture? Where? On Facebook. Oh, it's a Lego diver. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, click on it. It's a Lego diver. I came across that the other day. You know, I uh, I used to collect those and then I realized how much I was spending on them. <laughs> I used to buy them for my kids till I realized how much I was spending on them. I guess I, I guess I haven't learned any better yet because I'm still buying them. Crazy. Oh, oh God, my on. dog just carries them around. Better than chewing them up. Oh, there it is. God, I went by the photo about five times. So here we go. Yeah, it's on the treasure site, right? Yeah, I, I've got. To, I put the link in Skype. You know, you can you can shrink down your pictures. You know. Well, this is a Zoom. We don't want the high quality. Oh. It, it should. It'll just give it time. There it goes. Now those will clean up with a little CLR too. <laughs> I wish I was there because I would have told you to put them in my dive shop instead of the dive shop that's up there. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't those come back, or did you donate them to the dive shop? I gave them to the dive shop up there for a display. At least he'll remember the mud club. Yeah. Yep. No doubt about it. He's going up to their river cleanup this year, too. When's that? Uh, he, he hadn't posted it yet. But I'll go up for it. It ought to be fun. You know, I am, I am game for that as long as I'm free for the weekend. That's hard to do with my job, but my job is better than your job. Oh, you got to do, Rich, is just got to make that a a charter outing and you just charge everybody to go with you. That's kind of the way it is, because I was talking, (laughs) I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's uh, this is this is a a, a little bit off topic, but they just came back from Egypt and the Red Sea and they did a live aboard in the Red Sea and they went up and down the Nile and they went to Egypt and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I looked at him and I said, you know, I really haven't been to, to Europe. And he goes, that's surprising to me. And I was like, well, there's not really a dive dive destination in Europe that I've done yet. And he goes, well, you got to do this. And I was like, now the, the political climate is getting to the point where they want our money so bad that it's not something I have to worry about wrecking. A, a, I mean, all I could see is the front page saying Divers Incorporated takes 18 people to, to the Middle East to get killed. yeah and there's uh, rich's surprised face right on the front page right on the front page yep but i want to go there well he's talking about all the ruins in here and he goes he goes i go man you know a lot about that he goes yeah it's because of stargate oh (laughs) and i'm like yeah we all learn our our egyptian history from stargate but but they said they had a great time and 
He said it was so awesome that by the time he got to the Sphinx and the pyramids, he was Egypt out. And that was, that to me tells you a lot. He said there was a, a temple, and I can't remember the temple of Aramatep or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but he said he went and did this temple. And they said that, uh, he said the coolest story that came out of that temple was they were um, talking to a guide and they had come in to do soil samples in 1989. And this is new. I mean, they've been digging in this area for over a hundred years. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I would love to dive that river, but they were digging in, in this area for, for soil samples. And the guy dug up about a foot hole and he hit a, what looked like a statue. Well, it turned out the statue was eight feet tall. And after a hundred years of people walking on them, they found a museum filled with statues. I mean, basically they could fill a museum and it's in Germany now. This museum is so full of statues that it's the entire museum and the newest one is from 1989. Wow. That's just crazy because people have been digging there for a hundred years. You figured they'd found everything, not mm-hmm. even close. So, oh, somebody's calling me. What's that? Somebody dropped. How did? Okay, how's this working? Who who do we lose? Uh, it says it's it's you, Dwayne. Dwayne, are you still on? Am I back? What did I do? I don't know what happened there, but you I, know, I it was Craig. I think Craig was trying to <laughs> dial in. So let's go invite Craig in. Uh, we'll blame it on the guy from down under. He's from the future. We got to leave him alone. So. <laughs> Well, with all the flooding in there, he's probably getting Craig, wet. you there? Craig, you there? Hello? I don't he's see you. There. You know, I got a big call failed in the one that I can hear you guys on. Oh, he says no mic today. So he's oh. here. He's listening in. He's at work. Okay. So, oh, Mac, uh, I, I've been reading this book. My my dad's been giving me a bunch of his books. He's My, my dad's... Uh, a nautical antique dealer. So uh, he's got stuff that he occasionally passes my way. And, and there's a book, and this one's talking about the Chikora. Yeah. Did you know that uh, in 1907, a ship uh, pulled into the St. Joe River and it had dredged up a wash base and electric light fix, fixture stamped Chikora? Nope, that I had not heard. Yeah. And did he say where he was dredging? <laughs> Where he's fishing? It says, in 1907, other pieces of the wreckage from the Chikora were found. Ten years later, a tug steamed into St. Joe Harbor with a wash basin and electric light fixture stamped Chikora, which he had dredged up. Although divers have searched for the wreck for decades, the Chikora remains one of the most baffling mysteries. Maybe this year we'll find it. Yeah, but just odd that. I'm trying to think of where, I mean, if, you, you don't go out in Mill Lake, Michigan and dredge. No, you normally do not. So, yeah, how's that happen? Big, big fishing net. Yeah, I mean, that could just be just mistranslation and what dredged up meant. Uh, I've been up up there in uh, Lake Huron and came across a, it was obviously an Indian net, but it was submerged and it was almost a... Almost a... You guys there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. We lose Mac. Did you? It was you, almost a. Yeah, it was like the punchline, and then disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared again. He disappeared again. We can hear you. 
Can you hear me now? Now. Yeah. Speak quick. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it was a fishing net from the Indians. So I, I, I'd imagine if you had something like that, whatever you were doing, you were going to be on the bottom dragging it back up. So maybe it was just dredging that way. Not, I shouldn't say dredging, but. Yeah, they said dredged up. But in my mind, I was thinking dredging, but it could just mean that they had pulled it up. I tell you, there's been a number of times when I pulled up my anchor and there's been something attached to it over the course of the last 20 years, 30 years. Like we pulled up one time another anchor line, which was really cool because there was another anchor attached to it. Was there another boat at the other end opposite no. the anchor? Oh. No, that hasn't happened to me yet. That would be cool. Well, I'm still waiting for Hoffa's. There was something that somebody just published that if you do Hoffa's math, he gave over $30 million to judges, police chiefs, and officials to keep the his um illegal alcohol places open and remember this was 1930s 30 million dollars that's wow. hundreds of millions now did, did i tell you about my uh hoffa story no did you find his stuff out there in the saint joe's river that's no, supposed to be there no, no that that's capone is what we're talking about oh yeah okay yeah, but this was this is hoffa when i was in high school uh the in the drama club the drama club teacher her husband was a rep for uh, a cigarette company and he was kind of a big guy and he had just started working for the cigarette company and some of the other guys used to like to take him when they would go in the rough parts of town because he was big and so they were in detroit and they went up to this uh you know this they're you know along the a rough part of town and they're going up the second story of a building and they go in and there's this big poker game and there's money all over it and as they're sitting there, they're introduced, and one of the guys that he was introduced to was Jimmy Hoffa. And that was actually the last time anybody had seen him alive was that night. Wow. Yeah, so that kind of history, though. Yeah, so, you know, and then it, it's kind of one of those things, the back of his mind, he's thinking, well, you know, odds are somebody who was at that game had something to do with it. And you got to think of, you know, as they're trying to close loose ends, who are they going to uh, be focusing on? <laughs> you know, that weird guy that they don't know who sells cigarettes. Let's go. Uh, you know, he might find some cement shoes. Yeah. I'm surprised you guys in Chicago. Dwayne, have you ever come across a wash basin full of concrete with two femurs sticking out of it? <laughs> no, but uh, we've had some times where we've been out uh, running some side scan sonars and stuff like that and have uh, come across, you know, like, half a dozen, you know, 50 gallon, you know, drums and stuff like that, you know, that, you know, God knows what could be in there. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just, I have this thing that I, my, my, there's two things that I want to dive in Chicago for. First thing is I want to find one of those aircraft that fell off one of the uh, aircraft carriers they were training on. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. the, the second thing is, is I would love to come up with a, uh, with a wash tub, like one of those old 1940s wash tubs that have just a tibia and a fibia sticking straight out of it. <laughs> is, is that what you're going to have, like, next to the uh, shop, of the, the dive shop door? Man, you know, I'd put that on the summer. I would put that on the front door. <laughs> that, that could hold your door open in the summer. Yeah, That'd be you just cool. got to prop it open. It's already full of cement. It'd be heavy. Yeah, a big tibia fibia with a, with a um, pinstripe suit laying right next to it. <laughs> That'd be cool. It would be. I mean, how morbid would it be? But it would be cool. <laughs> oh, it certainly would be. So what's the coolest thing you've come across, Dwayne? 
Um, we- I've seen Bone. Um, I've dove the, the Windy It, and uh, there's been a femur sticking out of one of the wrecks up there. Um, no, I'm talking around Chicago. Around Chicago? Yeah. Uh, I guess like you got to you got to talk me. I'm on the uh, I'm on the Sunrise side of the Michigan. You got to talk right. me into coming to Chicago. Well, as far as you know, shipwrecks, there's tons of cool shipwrecks out of the Chicago area. Uh, as far as odd stuff, I mean, there's been the, the water intakes by Chicago. That's kind of interesting. Um, what else is there? Uh, formerly Miggs Field, before Meridaly shut it down. Um, there's been a few airplanes running around there that have missed the runways. Are they still down there? Yeah. Um, what else is there around there? I mean, there's just the, the, the shed aquarium tried building a freshwater reef, not too far away from where they're currently at now. Um, that's still down there, but it's not really a reef anymore. So, um, you know, I found all kinds of stuff. Um, a buddy of mine found, um, a Winchester 3030 rifle out in Burnham Harbor. Nice. Uh, that, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Burnham Harbor is probably one of the worst places in the world to dive. I mean, it's just you know, no visibility and people throwing their crap overboard and everything else. It's you know, it's it's a horrible place to get in the water. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, diving there and just kind of searching around the bottom, feeling for stuff. You know, God knows what you're gonna find. But um, yeah, it's kind of uh, about it. You know, the 50 gallon drums and, and rock piles and, and stuff like that. So. Yeah, not to cut you short on up in uh, Presqu'ile, but I love that place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Have you been on the Typo? Yes. Yeah, Typo Tony is something that, uh, that's pretty sweet. That's uh, So you guys that don't know, that's uh, a coal pile with two uh, a tibia, fibia, and boots laying next to it, sticking right out. Mm-hmm. That's Typo Tony. <laughs> you swim up to it and you go, am I looking at bones? Yeah, I'm looking at bones. Mm-hmm. How how is it that it's, they're stuck in a coal pile? Well, he died on the wreck, and he was buried in coal. And his, what, like it it turned turtle, and he got caught in the cargo or something? Or yep, yep. Yeah. And he's like, and according, I mean, if you look at it, you go down on the wreck, and the first thing you see is this bell, and it's really cool, right up on front. And uh, you'll appreciate you'll appreciate this, Dwayne. The first dive that I was to- on it, they told us it was in 150 feet of water. So we decided to do it as our second dive. So mm-hmm. all of us were breathing 26% nitrox. <laughs> <laughs> so we all stopped at 150 feet and stayed 30 feet above the wreck the entire yeah. time. <laughs> yep. So so the uh, the second dive, the second year that we went, we actually knew it was deeper. So um, we got down on it. But this... What you do is you swim across this end, and you get all the way out in the end, and the back stern is all broken up. It was carrying coal. And you go, okay, there's this body supposedly out here. And sure enough, sticking right out of the, the coal are these um, a set of tibia fibia, two legs with both bones, and the boots laying right next to it. And I didn't get close enough to see like anything else, but his jeans are still on, and, and it's just one of those, holy cow, this is a real body. This wow. is someone who died on the wreck, and you just you sit for a reflection. You go, man, thanks for letting me come dive your wreck, and you hope to God he doesn't come haunt you. Yeah, right. Yeah, it doesn't follow you home. But I was told, now I haven't done this yet because I was a little bit spooked out about that, but I was told that off to the left of that um, that set of pi- that bones, if you flip over one of the boards, that the compass is still there. And I wasn't going to go flipping over stuff because I had a camera in my hand, but one of my buddies said that there was a compass, that the compass is still on it. Which would be really cool. 
Did you see the sinking of the Kittywake? Do you see any of those videos? Uh, I know they're out there. I haven't really. I, I saw like oh. bits and pieces. There was one. They have a camera mounted right on the stern, and the whole thing's going down. And I guess they left the hatch closed because it blew the hatch cover clean off. <laughs> you hear this boom, and you watch the hatch cover go flying off of this this uh, video, and it was sweet. <laughs> You'd love that to was what we talked about last week, Darren. Yeah. That add-on, that was that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, after 50 episodes, they all kind of run together, huh, Darren? Uh, the show? What we've done fifty? Yeah. I, I I don't remember. It's the editing. Last week was a rough edit between the snow and everything. I didn't get it up till Sunday. That was bad. I usually like to have it up by Thursday night sometime, but That's funny. I did think, you do did you do your uh your live video one yet? No, that's gonna be we're actually gonna be on Talking Scuba this Saturday. Okay. So Jim and I will run up there and then the way back we'll stop by the uh a dive shop in uh, Kalamazoo over at SAS. And... Are you going to dive? Or are you going to be a girl again? Oh, dive? I don't know if we're going to dive. I want to dive. I'm going to fill the bathtub. Diver. I want to fill the bathtub up with water in a little bit and wear my gear. Well, my, my Saturday dive got blown out um, because of ice, but we're going to do a Sunday, I think. I might I might be one of the guys that doesn't dive this week. Now, see, the quarry, don't you have a spot where you got like a, where it gets deep real quick? So even if you don't have enough ice to do an actual ice dive, you could just kind of like fall in and break through it? Oh, yeah, that's what we did last week. It's uh, We cut the hole over the drop-off, and it was about 8 feet from shore. And the water's down so far, it's usually about 30 feet from shore. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a fun story. So I'm creeping out in the ice, and I've got my hand spud, in, and I'm going to chop and try to see what the ice is looking like. And I and I get out about four feet from the ice, and I hear this, mm. and I watch this crack go right across the quarry. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, I'm dead, but I'm only in four feet of water. I'll be okay." But I didn't go through, which was, I mean, that brief second where you know you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Did you cry? No, no, <laughs> I didn't cry quite yet. I'd cry if I go in though, because man, that water's chilly when you don't have a suit on. Oh, you didn't had, have your dry suit on? Nope, just had a life jacket on, so I wasn't gonna die, but I was like gonna really wish I had. Right. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would have. Holy smokes! But it is a little bit unnerving when they when it starts cracking and it goes right like right under you. Yep. But um, we ended up punching a hole through it, and uh, the guys that came down because uh, the weekend was just one of those hit or miss everybody was calling like do we have to do it we do we have to do an ice dive and i'm like you can't punch through this and one of the guys tried to he took his dive tool out and it took him like five minutes to chop a hole that he could actually stick a snorkel through and it was only <laughs> it was only two inches ice he said he was doing it just to see if he could there's only two inches of ice but the visibility i i i've i mean i'm always amazed by visibility under ice but the visibility <sighs> We got out, and we had a 150-foot line, and I'm going to guess there's probably 30 foot before we hit the hole where we tied it off. We tied it to a tree, and we were out about 150 foot, and you could turn around, and you could see the guy standing in the water that was tending you. Hmm. And it was just crazy visibility. And uh, it's cool when you can see better visibility than you can in, in the tropics. 
Yeah. Ice dive at headquarters. We had uh, over 100 feet of visibility. It was just amazing. We're, we're at the road, and you, know, you look off to the right, and I can see the flamingo. And it's like, that's unreal. Yeah, it makes navigation pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to go to the motorcycle. Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> 50 feet away, 100 feet away from you. So you're telling me the visibility is better than it was in those photos now? Uh, it's it's about at least at what those were in those photos. Oh. And that was cool. I'll tell you the the the, the photos that you saw like le- the week from the first. I don't know if you saw those photos. I had a, a dive master candidate. She was taking her dry suit diver course, and I I sat down and I said, "Look, it's like this, Carrie." And and she was in my chat room last night, just razzing the crap out of me. But I said, "It's like this. If you listen to me, you're going to get really good photos. If you don't listen to me, they're going to be okay photos." Boy, she listened to me absolutely right to the letter, and she got the most amazing photos of herself. No bubbles, fantastic visibility, and she looked like she was a pro in that dry suit. And it was, it's, it's funny because you you think you want to exhale when you're trying to take pictures, but you got to inhale while you're trying to take pictures. And I didn't realize it was hard, but she was the first person to actually listen to me. And I said, inhale as you're coming into the camera. And she inhaled as it came in the camera, and I snapped four different pictures of her, and it just came out awesome. So, camera. What's what's that? What does that do? A camera? Yeah. It it, it get it gets lost in Gull Lake <laughs> without any possible way of being retrieved. I, I'm hooking mine up to helium balloons so that you know when it. When Are you I getting another go, one? I'll have to. I'm gonna. I tell I just, you, I I took that weekend. I this last weekend, I took the um the, that Ike Light Nikon L22 in the housing underwater, and I think that with a little bit of practice, you could get some pretty amazing pictures with it. And it's only like three hundred bucks. Just saving up for that dry suit. I know, and I'll tell you what. Anytime you want to save up for that dry suit, giant stride through the ice. You'll go. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why I'm not eating this week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. but those those dry suits that I have, if you want evolution, if you want evolution twos, I, I just sold the extra large shorts. I don't know what size you guys, but I have a large short and I have a a double extra large and I have a couple others. But uh, I'm dumping my rental program, so they're half off. Mm. Eight eight fifty is the whole shebang. You gotta get underwear, but that's yeah. I mean. We could talk of dry suits. I mean, I know Dwayne likes the DUI. I'm not a big partial fan of DUI because. I mean, I've been in the business for too long to know that DUIs, the evil empire. But they're good. they make good suits. But they're expensive. <laughs> now you've gone over to uh, putting fusions in your rental fleet. Yeah, because they fit everybody. The the white yeah, you makes don't have to five, stock six sizes. Yeah, the whites makes five. White's fusion comes in five sizes, and I can fit everyone on the planet with those five sizes. And I had fifth. I had thirteen suits in rental with the fusions. And when I decided to sell, well, actually right now when I'm deciding to sell them, um, of the 13 suits, five of them have never <laughs> been in the water. Oh, wow. Because it's just an odd size. The large short has been in the water a bunch of times. The uh, extra large short's been in the water a bunch of times. And the girls medium went in the water, but that was just sold. So, but it's, uh, I tell you, I, I hope Pinnacle figures it out because it makes, they make a fantastic product. But I think that their uh, their 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 move to Zegel was a discussion with the devil. So my first my first conversation was it like, dude, are you really going to get in bed with Zegel? Why? Because I hate Zegel. 
Dwayne, you don't you don't deal with Zegel at all, do you? No, I don't. No, and uh, good. I dove uh, a fusion uh, last year, maybe year before, and uh, I didn't really care for it too much. I thought the way you know I, you had to put it on was almost like two condoms at the same time. You know, <laughs> right? The, it's it's not a traditional suit. They actually that was one of the things that the rep when they when they came in and showed it, he says, "Let me sh- let me do a training for your entire staff on how to put this thing on because you right. cannot put it on like a normal suit." Right. But I mean the CL the CF two hundred. If I was gonna if I was gonna start judging suits, I would say I mean I'm not a DUI dealer, so this is like antichrist stuff. But the CF two hundred is probably the best suit ever built. If you can get over the fact that it freezes solid when you get out of the water in a river this time of year. Right. Um, the second suit ever built, best second best suit. If you look for the money, it's probably the best suit ever built. Was the the Evolution Two, the ones that I had in rental, and that's what I dive in the river all the time. I had one freeze completely solid. We were still able to get it off, and we we're still able to dive it for a second dive. And uh, if you third best suit ever built was the Viking um, Sport when it was vulcanized rubber. Hmm. That was uh, in the 80s, in the early 90s, and it was a super, super stretchy suit. It was a super thin vulcanized rubber. And then the fourth best suit ever built in my world was um, the Typhoon from the 1990s. Did you ever see one of those, Dwayne? No, I haven't. Oh, man, they were sweet. You you zipped in it in a zipper that went across your chest that was like three times too long. And you stood in it, and you got into it, and it was easy thing. And then you took that zipper, and you wrapped it around with a strap, and you buckled it in front of you. And it was the the, the slickest suit ever built at the time. I had a student one time uh, dive one of those. The the front looked like like the big bib, yeah, kind of thing. And he had this this strap that went around his back and around around the front, and it buckled in the front. And that one that one was just amazing. I mean, I still think that you could do that one without a zipper. If you if you had the seal right, like a dry suit seal, because there was so much fabric that you could roll up and do. Hmm. But but that one, I mean, but if you look at modern suits, I, I mean, I, I know that this uh, I, I like the the um, the fusion only because that you can. I mean, a fusion tech is the one that I carry in rental. And the only reason I like it so much is because I can gain 40 pounds and still have it fit me. <laughs> I I have to say, I really like the idea of the fusions. I mean, just just partially for that reason plus or well, minus you're going to be if you and jim ever cool you there Dwayne? you there darren yeah, i'm here all right wow. that was cool <laughs> this is a perfect timing if right. you ever <laughs> yeah yeah rich here, was just getting here. ready to give us each a free i was saying if you if you and jim ever get off your collective ass and come diving <gasps> white star i'll put you in a fusion and let you dive it <laughs> I think that's worth it right there. <laughs> Next thirty days, we got to be down there. Well, I don't. I don't like people diving in their their first dry suit dive under the ice. Oh, okay. So because if you mess up on the ascent, the abrupt stop at the end is kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, that won't be any different than normal. <laughs> yeah. Ay ay ay. But yeah, that's that's the exact same thing I had heard. Uh, you know, people, it the getting in and and uh, geared up is enough of a drawback that sometimes people don't get past that. And I'm I'm wondering how that would be, um, you know, when it starts icing up, getting in and out of that thing. It was my wife has had one, and I'll tell you what, 
Um, not to put anything against my wife, but she is the most unbelievable critic of dive gear. If it doesn't fit or it doesn't look pretty, she will not dive it. And I brought home the Fusion. I actually called the rep and I said, hey, can I bring, can you guys send me one so that I, so I can dive it? Because I want to see it before I put it in rental. And he mm-hmm. sent me one and lo and behold, it was pink. And he <laughs> sent me a, uh, a, um, a, a black suit with pink, pink trim on it. And I put it on and dove it. And I was like, this is really cool. And the weird thing about it was that it didn't, you have to know your undergarment because there was no extra way of putting extra air into it. Um, it was, it was a pretty neat suit that way. And I liked it. Um, because what do you mean by that? What what... it's because it's form fitting, Mm -hmm. you don't have any extra air in it. So like with a non form fitting suit, when you go to burp it, you have to burp it before you put it in to get it vacuum sealed. So you kind of do a genuflection, like you're, you're going to church in in a Catholic church and you kneel down, you grab your neck seal, you blow all the air out of it. Right. You let go of the seal and you stand up and it vacuum seals against you. And that's the way that you can get down underneath. But with this one, when you go to burp it, there was no air in it. There was no extra air because it form fits so well to you, which was pretty cool. But the air is the insulator. So if you can put extra air in it, you're going to stay warmer. So you have to actually be right on your undergarments. So you have to wear thin. You, the cool thing is you can wear thin undergarments if you want to be in warm water. You can wear a little bit thicker if you want to be in cooler water. And if you're in super cold water, you can put whatever you want because that's your 50 pounds that you're going to gain. Mm-hmm. So you can put the, the sub-zero on it, under it and not have to worry about it. So I hand it to my wife. She puts it on, and I told her, I taught her the whole thing. Now, the thing is, is that, and the way that I describe it is it's like putting a garbage bag on underneath a condom, which <laughs> isn't attractive, but it's pretty cool. Because you, you slide, you go to pull it up, and you bunch it up, and you pull, push your foot through, and it doesn't quite get in. So you fold it down, you grab another big bunch of it, and you pull it up, and your foot pops into it. Then you do the other one, your foot pops into it. Then you pull your, your, your hips up and your hips pop into it. And then you pull the outer covering all up so it's all form-fitted. And my wife got into it and she says, this is my suit. It fits me perfectly. Really? This is my size. And it was the exact same size that I wear. And it probably would fit both of you. <laughs> because I'm looking at it going, this is the suit. And I actually have two of those in a rental because they look like they would fit everybody. That's pretty impressive. <clears throat> See you, Craig. Got to get some coding done. That's like work. That does sound like work. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, Craig. Hey, Craig, I'm drinking a, a screwdriver. You're having nothing. I don't know. He's got some in the fridge, no doubt. I bet. <clears throat> but that's, uh, but that's, I mean... I haven't quite decided what the best dry suit out there is now, at least with what I carry. I mean, I like the Bioflex from from uh, Hollis mm-hmm. because it's a super tough suit. But if you're looking at a suit that's, I mean, I haven't jumped off the bridge and taken my, one of my rentals into the river where I'm going to beat the crap out of it. But I think it's coming in the next couple of months. <laughs> Because if that suit, because the way it form fits, I think I could take probably, I could add about 15 minutes to my dive time because of the drag. Really? It fits like a wetsuit. Hmm. And uh, are you are you putting this on uh, the podcast? I, I can edit out whatever you want out. Man, I'll take you. If you set this aside, I'll tell you. On the thing, and it was it was gray with pink trim. 
And I'm like, are you kidding me? The black with pink, pink highlights. It was like a pink tribal thing on the arms. I think that's pretty cool. But they went to gray with a pink trim. I took a picture of it and I sent it to my wife. I, I emailed it to my wife and, and I said, my wife is very particular at what she looks like. And I and she comes back and she thought it was purple with a pink trim and she goes what you want me to look like uh, Barney? Oh, <laughs> I'm like it's not purple, it's gray. She's still it looks horrible. Ay ay ay. So that's the one you'll try on, Jim. Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> no, I don't. I won't do that. I went black and black, and I think I have a black and blue one in rental too. But I went black with black. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the diving industry has been been rough for the last two months, and I haven't rented a single one. Really? Yeah. Do you, do you normally have a pretty good? Uh, uh, do you have a core of people that come in and rent rather than buying, or for the dry suits? Yeah. Yeah. What it is is they'll only do their two or three dives, and it's actually it starts in about the end of February, beginning of March, when the ice goes away. Then I'll have mm-hmm. people start renting the dry suits, and they'll start talking about it. And the big thing, the big people are the people that want to get certified to go on a trip. Mm-hmm. And I won't, I won't, I won't torture somebody and let them do a wetsuit dive in April for their first dive. I mean, for guys that have been doing it for a while and you know how to prime and you know how mm-hmm. to do that, it's all good. But man, could you imagine somebody doing their first dive at April second? <clears throat> Probably be their last. Yeah, and. That's been my focus on my podcast is that I want people to dive, but I don't want you to suffer mm-hmm. through it. So it's like diving is a pain in the ass to begin with. And if I've you have yes. open water classes run in March. I'm sorry? I've seen open water classes start in March. Yeah, and, and I've seen people that have gone in there, and I've always wanted to pull those people and say, dude, how, how many people do you have get come back? Right. Oh, yeah, I have one. Did they die, rent a dry suit? Well, as a matter of fact, while you're saying it, yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they start that around here. They'll start in March, but it seems like they 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 do all the pool stuff for about three classes, and then they'll do the actual open water. Will be in uh, when it's warmer. Yeah, well, but I mean, it takes a long time for everything to warm up to where it's really comfortable. Well, You're what, not gonna go ahead. I was trying to remember, Jim, when we did uh, our advanced open water. Wasn't that fairly early in the year? Um. Wasn't that like April? Gosh, or I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but I remember that. Uh, well, Gilboa it was cold. It was. <laughs> it's cold no matter what you do. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, unless you stand on the surface for forty minutes while they have some guy who's never wore his wetsuit try and get in it. Oh man. That's what happened yeah, to us. Was... Is we were all out in the dock, you know, and, you know, and that's the whole thing when you're first learning is, is getting in the gear, getting everything on, not forgetting something, you're not forgetting the weight belt. Cause during the class, we're telling you all the horror stories between the sessions of what people have goofed up. So you're saying, I don't want to be that guy. So, uh, we get down, we get suited up, we're there in the dock. And then there was this guy who they must've the night before sold him one of everything. And they get there, and it's like he had never done it. And he had, uh, what was it like the, you call him like a, it looked like an overall. So he had like the, the pants or the overall. Farmer John's. Farmer yeah. John. And then he had the, the there's like the two-piece, and he had the other part on top of it. And they fought with him for a while. And finally, they looked over at us, and we must have looked like two uh, tomatoes on the dock. I mean, it was the point where I was thought I probably had about two more minutes before I passed out. <laughs> 
and they finally said, okay, you can get in the water. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen crazy. a number of people who it's unfortunate they come down and they're like suffering. And I do my best at the quarry to try to get them to come back to the quarry. I mean, I have a, a heater that's a porch heater that I crank up and people are just gathered around it shivering. But but come, I mean, even May is cold and they come out of the water and they go, man, this sucks. Why do you guys do this to yourself? Yeah, I just want to get this so I can go to the Bahamas and never have to dive this cold shit again. <laughs> and I'm oh. like. Dude, you're you're. It's not cold water. You got to be afraid of. It's being cold. So let's talk about what you can do, man. Yeah. And it's amazing. There's so many people afraid of the the almighty dollar that they they need to get that dollar from the person. I got to get somebody in the water in April because I really need the money. I'm like, dude, take their deposit and tell them they can't get it till do till till May. I mean, come on. Right. The goal. The goal. The end goal is to have a, a constant diving population rather than shuffling people through the class you can we can have four million certified divers um but if that's all that they ever do is get certified and maybe do one or two dives after that now dwayne dwayne you there yeah i'm still here what's your what's your dropout weight rate like if people you take a certificate, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing yours is pretty low, but what do you think your dropout rate is where people you go through your certification classes and they, they don't come diving again after um, a year? Since I've been an independent instructor, uh, I'd probably say zero. Really? They keep yeah, going? Almost all of them keep going and keep doing it. I've only got like maybe a handful of former students that, um, you know, early vacation divers, you know, but um, they still dive. I mean, they dive, you know, a couple times a year. Um, so that's good, but pretty much the people who come to me are the ones who want to, you know, continue diving locally. So what do you figure your secret is? Mm, I don't know, really. You know, I never really thought about, you know, having a, a secret or, or whatever. I think it's, uh, you know, when, when you can show people that they can, they can dive in this water and, and you build up that confidence they, they have, um, they want to keep doing it. You know, um, I've seen a lot of people when I worked at the dive stores, would just flip up, flip out on the first open water dive, and that'd be it. You know, they would suffer through the rest of the open water dives, and then never do it again. Um, I think if you could do more confidence building exercises with students in the water, um, mm-hmm. gain that comfortability, that's what's going to bring them back. And even if it's cold water or, or whatever, I mean, I've got you know a lot of former students that that uh, go on my charters and stuff like that. They're still in wetsuits and they're in 40 degree water and, and everything. And they don't mind it because they're having fun. Yeah. I'm looking at about a 50% dropout rate. And and we do those same things that you do. And it's still crazy because we get like out of, out of a hundred divers over the course of a year that we get certified, we're losing. I mean, and I, and I, and, and in all reality, I'm not doing, do they dive ever? I'm right. doing, do they dive after a year and do they dive locally? And I'm venturing to say that probably of that 50%, half of them could dive locally but choose not to. Mm -hmm. But I haven't quite figured out why. And I don't think it's money. I don't think it's time. I think it's a whole combination of, you know, diving's a pain in the ass, and I don't really think that I can do it for a weekend if I don't go. Or they get up and they go do it for that first weekend, and they go, man, this is hard. And we all know that that first time out just sucks. Right. It's a second or third time out that's fun. Right. Yeah, I think part of it, too, could be, I don't want to call it boredom, but, I mean, when when you go to a quarry and all you're looking at is rocks and a few fish and, 
zebra mussels and moss and stuff, you know, the, the I guess the honeymoon effect kind of dies after a while, you know. It's like, yeah, this is was was great at first, but now, you know, the quarry is getting boring again. And I tell you, I've got people that like I run White Star Quarry that's out here in Gibsonburg, Ohio. Yep, I go so there. I've seen people that they've come down and they've done their entire wreck diving certification at the quarry. Right. And I'm like, dude, you haven't even seen anything yet. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't have any plans to go in and real doing a real wreck. This is all I want. I want the cards. I'm like, gosh. Yeah. And how do you keep diving? Well, you yeah, get. The thing that drives people like that is just the motivation to to get the card, you know, because I don't know if it's like a chest beating type of a thing, you know, that says, hey, I'm a wreck diver. I I see that a lot with people with ice diving, and this is probably one of the reasons why with my ice diving class, I don't get that many students. You know, I look at the the dive stores in my area, and, you know, they've got 10, 12 people in their ice diving class. I get like two or three. But yet, of my two or three, they keep ice diving. You know, they come back, you know, the next year and everything, and, and will, you know, dive when I have my classes and stuff. But yet, of those bigger classes from the dive stores, I see those people, and they never go back and do any more ice dives again. You know, and, and they, they do it to say that, you know, hey, I did it, and here's my ice diving card to show for it. Yeah. I tell you, I'm the same way with ice diving. Is most of my ice diver guys, they'll come take the class and then they'll keep coming and keep coming back and diving and a lot of diving in ice diving. River's the same way. That's when when a person takes a river class from me, they keep in, they keep into it. They go diving a ton in the river. It's mm-hmm. it's a matter of I'm trying to get people who are open water divers. I think that once they take that first class beyond open water, that they're hooked. You, you, but if they you, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say that's what, you know, Jim and I, we did the open water and we just couldn't get into the next dive. There was just, there was no natural progression. Right. Well, and too, nobody, um, the way we had been with the the shop that we were kind of running with, it was almost like, well, there's either trips or there's quarries. There's really not much else to do unless you take a charter. Um, you know, there's a ton of local dive spots around by us and, you know, within an hour or two drive, certainly. Um, a lot more than way out here, for sure. You know, and and that's that's what did it. A lot of it, too, was the confidence. Um, the, the additional class that you're talking about, you know, that gives you another, what, advanced open water gets you, what, five more dives in the water with a an instructor or something like that. Um that that five, whether it's with an instructor or a mentor or a good dive buddy, I think is probably enough to get you over the hump of, you know, am I putting my regulator on the right way? Do I have my tank face in the right direction when I set it onto my strap my straps down? And you know, all the silly stuff. Right, that's so where I finally feel good. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about you know having like a practical application portion of my classes, and I, I think. That's what we really work on building that confidence. You know, people, you know, are stressed out when they go through the classes and they might be a little uncomfortable with like mask removals and air shares and all that kind of stuff. You know, when you work through that and, and they get past that, you take them on, you know, a, the stress free type of dives. You know, this is OK. You know, you plan a dive. You lead, you lead the dive. You lead me. Um, and we'll just go out and, and dive and not do any skills and, and kind of like have a more of a, an experience portion of the class rather than 
okay, here's the last skill, here's your C card, you're all done, type of a thing. Yeah, the more comfortable you are, the more fun you're having, we'll definitely make sure that you're going to stick with it. Yep. Well, also, I found that the best way was to have something that I'm doing. You know, it's one thing to go down, just look around and come up, but, you know, that the grubbing really gives you something to focus on. Especially when you're finding stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going through my bottles. You probably hear me clinking around here. I'm going through my bottles to find stuff. Uh, you know, to, to take up this weekend. So, oh, to show your guys on the the, uh, the video podcast. Yeah, yeah, because we'll, we'll, I figure we'll talk about local diving and say, hey, here's some of the stuff that you can you can do. Hopefully, create some interest. I tell you what, I'm pretty pleased with how that one cleaned up. Boy, that that is a nice uh, a nice find. Have you dated that at all? Uh, eighteen. Oh shoot, no, I don't. I didn't. I think eighteen forty was the newest it could be. Oh. That triangle yeah. bottle? Yeah, but it's really funny because when you type in that name on it, Mercurian or Mercurian or whatever it says, mm-hmm. the only thing you get is like 50 websites of bottles. <laughs> it's a pretty common bottle. They went from anywhere from $8 to $15. Yeah, but I'll bet when you pulled it out of the muck, it was like a $100 find. No, as my wife says, and, and Dwayne, you'll appreciate this if, if you've got a wife like mine. She goes, I go, you know what this could be worth? And she goes, nothing. It's not like you'd ever sell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, it sits here now in my library, and it's up on the shelf, and I can actually see it right here from the microphone. So it's all see? good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I picked up a bottle that I probably found a year and a half ago. And now just the light, it's just right where I can see that there's silk screen on it, and I didn't notice that before. That's awesome. It says bottled under, and then it, authority of major and something ink of Chicago. You know, it's funny is you guys are finding bottles that I'll never find over here, and I'm finding bottles you'll never find over there. So. I'm really telling you that it's going to be in my 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 stars to be over that way. Do you river dive at all, Dwayne? Uh, only to pull like snowmobiles and stuff out of the ice. You know, that's about it. Dude, why not? <laughs> There's got to be some seriously cool stuff. I mean, you can go get beaten up by those Asian carp if nothing else. I don't know. I think the crap they put in the water and everything. I don't think I want to be in there. Yeah, you're breathing through a regulator. If you're breathing, you're okay. <laughs> it's, it's the skin burns around your cheeks and what your mask doesn't cover that would get you. Yeah, you know? I was, like, I was uh, doing the golf ball diving and getting tetanus shots once a month. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that would suck. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting because you look, you with the Detroit and St. Clair Rivers and things like that, that was a highway in the day that, you know, from what? 300 years ago to current you could find in there yep you know with us it's man i'm lucky if i find something that's older than me Um, well there's it's it's funny because like there was a buddy of mine that used to do a lot of commercial diving right there in the rouge river and and he found a uh, capstan a whole capstan sitting on the bottom with the cover and everything and i'm like did you pick it up and he goes no man i don't want to dive in that water where i could possibly wreck something and uh, another, and a, a couple years later, another buddy of mine, they were on the sheriff's department in the River, Rouge River. And uh, I would venture to say that the Rouge River is probably the most polluted river on the planet. But 
they said that they watched a car go in. It was a chase, and the car went off the bridge and off into the water, and they watched it go in. The guy swam to shore, and they took him into custody and everything like that, but they needed to recover the car. Well, it happened on a Friday. So come Monday, they decided, okay, let's go ahead and do this car. And they pulled the car out of the water, and the entire upstream side of the car was stripped down to the primer. <laughs> oh, mama. <laughs> And I'm like, you were diving in that crap. (laughs) It's like, who knows what was in that water? I mean, I wouldn't even begin to do the chemistry on that one. (laughs) All the industry that's been there. Oh, my goodness. It's in the Guinness Book of World's Record as the most polluted square mile on the planet. And that's that's saying something when there's uh, nuclear places, too. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know if if Dwayne opens up some of those fifty-five gallon drums. If that's not uh, yeah, mob disposal, that might something. be nuclear waste. Yeah. yeah, you know though, you open up one of those fifty-five gallon drums and it's full of cash. You won't even complain. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> we'd probably never hear about it. No, no doubt. I'd be guessing yeah. some bodies or something like that in there. Yeah, let's open it up. Let's see what's happening. Hey, you know what? What are those? Hey, you look like Kubrans. <laughs> yeah, isn't that gold? Yup. <laughs> At $1,100 an ounce. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, oh yeah. Wow. You know, man, I found, a, I found a mercury dime one time diving, and I was just freaking awesome. <laughs> and then I found a walking liberty dollar. <laughs> and that was that was awesome. I mean, it looked like it was really funny because I'll tell you the, the, the mental part about it. I swam up to it. And it was completely black because it's a silver thing, but it was a perfect silver. That It was a perfect circle that was black. And. When you get into river diving, you know that straight lines and perfect circles and perfect triangles and perfect squares are usually something cool. So I found this perfect circle. So I pick it up and I put it in my glove. I didn't look at it much. And it looked like the diaphragm from a Poseidon regulator. That's the first thing. I was like, what is a diaphragm from Poseidon regulator doing down here in the lake? So I pick it up and I grabbed it. It was near a ferry dock. I put it in my glove. So I come up and I, I'm sitting in my safety stop and I, I said, hey, let's see if I pull that out. It was sticking out. So I pull it out and I start rubbing my fingers on it and it starts getting shiny and there was a walking liberty on it. So I found a walking liberty. It was a half dollar, a walking liberty half dollar that somebody had tossed in the water to see how deep the water was and how clear it was. It was from 1883. So I am stoked, right? You're talking that, that you come out of the water. You're going, I just made my riches. I found a silver dollar. That's right. I'm going to be a millionaire. So I look it up online. It's worth eight bucks. Right. <laughs> well, I so, walk in. And this is before I found it. It was worth eight bucks. I walk in and I go to my wife. And that's where the line came from. I said, you know what this could be worth? She said, nothing. You're never going to sell it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and if you figure in the cost of your equipment and the cost to get there. Um, yeah, that was yeah. almost pays for it. Well, the good news is, is about an ounce, and it's worth sixty-five dollars an ounce now. If I melt it down, which is illegal, which I would never do, right? Since it's a podcast, and you're going to publish it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. We've been we've been going for what an hour and a half after close. I don't think you're going to keep publishing this, are you? No, I'll go through and and glean the best parts off of it. So. Yeah, this is a late night for you, Jim. You all right? Yeah, I think I'm going to make it. I think good. we're going to be be able to hold my eyes open. I don't have to go into work early tomorrow. I'm good. Oh, good. I'm just, as, as we're talking here, I'm going online looking at the, the bottles. Found a little bit more. This is a root beer bottle, this brown bottle. 
Oh, you're looking up yours? Yeah, the bottles that I've I've found because it's yeah, it's amazing how you look at it again and you see something different. Like, oh, I didn't see that emboss there or that mark there. Well, I, I tell you something that I've just started doing, which um, you guys might want to try to do since you're you're relatively new at this. And I wish I had, but I I wish I had been doing it for the last twenty years. But I just started doing. It. I went out to the art store and I found a Sharpie paint marker, black extra fine point. <laughs> And the extra fine point makes it really, really small. But every bottle that I've found after I clean it up, I'm actually writing where I found it and what the date is I found it. Huh. Yeah. So I, like that's cool because like when you and Jim become rich and famous from this podcast, yeah. and, 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 and uh, something – I mean, when you're 90 years old, 95 years old, and you go on that last dive and something happens to you that we actually have to resuscitate you. Not that it would be your last dive. It might be your last dive, but it's not that you're going to die. It'll be your oh, last okay. dive, and you have to come out of the water. And now all your bottles are worth more because you found them. Look at this one. I found one. I've got a bottle that Jim found right. in, yeah, 19, in 2011, and he actually wrote where he found it and what he was feeling that day. And I got a podcast to prove it. Yeah, right. Well, that's <laughs> a real sweet. reason why podcast is just so that we don't have to keep up a dive log. Yeah. I go, that was episode 30. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I had an, I had the good fortune of meeting a guy named Billy Deans many, many, many years ago. And uh, he was the basically the guru of tech divers. He, he came up with the whole idea of of um, breathing off the long hose in open water rather than cave diving. And uh, in an interview right after I read, met him, he said that he was doing three dives a day for the last 365 days, but he only logged the ones that counted. And so his logbook was only 850 dives, but he was doing three dives a day for 365 days. So that's like 900 dives a year. But for 20 years of diving, you only had 800 dives. And I'm like, you know, that's pretty sweet. Somebody who doesn't really care about what it has. And then I met another guy who was doing this diligent logbook, and he asked me to sign it, and this is why I knew it. He had artwork in it. He had drawings of the wreck, drawings of the reef, beautiful script, and and exactly what he dove. And it was like some of his log pages were two or three pages long in his logbook, but it was this most gorgeous stuff. And he had names of people that he'd found and all that kind of stuff. And as I'm signing it, I'm saying, man, you go way out of your way to do a really good logbook. And he said, if it was worth diving, it was worth writing down. And I was like, yep, that's how I'm going to live my life. Now, I don't go that crazy, but I'll do a, a pretty decent dive. I'm going to say that in the quarry, I don't do a whole lot of really good diving or good, really good logging where I'll say who I was diving with and that because it's quarry and I've done hundreds of dives there. When I went up and did the Cornelia Windiate, I was drawing pictures of the stern and how it looked and maps of stuff that I wanted to look at and where the, 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 the uh, uh, lifeboat was. And when I did the Norman, it was it was where the wheel is and where the the oars for the lifeboat were and all that kind of stuff are all drawn in the out in the uh the log book because it, it actually happened more when i became kids because after that guy said to me that to me he said it to me about 20 years ago and when i had kids i'm like you know what maybe i won't it's not worth writing down but my it might be something my kids will read later yep yep so might as well start writing something that they're worth worth and i started started cleaning up my language <laughs> oh <laughs> wow yeah, well, those bad dives where you had a really bad dive boat operator and stuff like that. I started, I started uh, using the colorful metal <laughs> less. Jeez. So. 
Yeah. Hold on to your logbook like it's gold, though, dude, because I've lost one. And when I lost it, I found it about three years later, but I lost it. And I was like, oh, my God, I had 800 dives in that logbook. And uh, I said, you know what? I'll start back at zero. So I started back at zero and one. And uh, when I found the logbook, I was able to add the 800 that I had in the logbook to the 100 and something that I had in the new logbook. And I'm back up to current. That's pretty good. You, uh, what do you use to keep? Do you use just a regular notebook or how do you? No, I use, I use, or? I use a Patty logbook, a National yeah. Geographic logbook. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I cheated. I've, I've gone online and then I print them out. <laughs> I had I had a I had a girlfriend in in um, my early days of diving. Um, she uh, she had gone to um, Hawaii right after she got certified as an instructor, and they were doing three to five dives a day. If they did the deep dive, they did three, and if they did the shallow dive in the morning, if they didn't do the deep dive the first dive, they did five. So like if you did the deep dive to the hundred feet, you did. Um, an afternoon dive and a night dive. And then if you didn't do the the deep dive, you did the second dive, the afternoon dive, the night dive, and then one other one in between. So you did four to five. And it was, her logbook was amazing. It was a, um, a regular logbook that you saw, but it had all these pages just kind of tossed in it. And they were like cocktail <laughs> napkins. And this cocktail napkin was, was such and such reef. And she just had tick marks. That she did the reef, and she had like seven hundred log dives in this little log book, but it was all tick marks. <laughs> yeah, I did this dive. Well, what did you? How deep did you go? Oh, that was one hundred and ten feet for twenty-five minutes. How do you know that? Because we did fifty dives the same way over the course of the year. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Oh. Yeah. Well. I think it's probably time to go and hit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, too. Hey, Dwayne, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank, thanks, nice thanks you, for having me. Nice yep. meeting you. Hope, you. hope to get out and dive with you soon. Yeah, definitely. I'd like to head back over to White, uh, White, White Star again a little bit. Yep. If you come, come uh, I mean, get in touch with me because I'd love to meet you in person. Sure. Yeah, we're the guys that run the concession there. That's my dive shop. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so yeah. it's cool. Well, guys, good night. Right. We'll see you next week. Night. Yep, I'm signing off, and we'll talk to you all soon, yep. I hope. And I'll have Cooper Bye. River information for next week. Cool. Okay. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. See you. Bye.